we'll be back in the book of Habakkuk this evening. We actually uh, started this series um, about March or April last year, so in the beginning of all the lockdowns and struggles that we went through, we, we started looking at this book and uh, we've, we've been going through it ever since. So we've done about six messages on it and tonight we'll come to the final one. And it's actually really fitting, especially in the United Kingdom as we consider these words that we'll look at tonight, um, especially as it seems like the restrictions and stuff are drawing to a close. Um, it's quite fitting that we come to the end of this book of Habakkuk. You'll remember that I, that we, that we said in some of the previous messages that it was a book very fitting for the times that we were in at that stage. And it's still a book fitting really for any time we're in. But you, you remember as we looked through it, we, we clearly saw that the book of Habakkuk was a book that, uh, perhaps more clearly than any of the other books in the Bible addresses this issue of why there is so much suffering in the world and what the Lord is doing with it and through it. And so we will read tonight our final couple of verses in the book of Habakkuk. We will, our last message we focused on verses one of chapter three through to verse eight. And that is the final prayer of this prophet. Um, you remember he had three prayers as he came before the Lord. He, he had two laments and then this final prayer as he considered and weighed up all that he learned from the Lord as the Lord answered him in each and every one of the prayers. So follow along with me as we read the final nine verses of chapter three or the, the final uh, ten verses from, from verse nine. Um, chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk. Thy bow was made, made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah. Thou didst cleave the earth with the rivers. The mountains saw thee and they trembled. They, the overflowing of the waters passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on highs. The sun and the moon stood still in the habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou did march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thrust the heathen in anger. Thou went forth for the salvation of thy people even for the salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked, but discovered the foundation unto the next, Salah. Thou didst strike through with his straves the head of his villages. They came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of the great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I may rest in the day of trouble when he comes upon the people. He will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, 
neither shall the fruit be in the vines. The laborer of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine hind places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Heavenly Father, as we now consider these closing verses in this book, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand what it is that you're teaching us, what it is that you're showing us through this prophet, Lord. Thank you that we know in all things you remain sovereign. And thank you, Lord, that we know we can trust thee, even though all things seem to be chaos around us. We know that the certain eternal God holds the future in his hands. Amen. Now, we know that Habakkuk addressed several issues. I'll remind you just, just, just briefly that he had his first prayer because he considered the sin of his nation. And he considered that the sin was so grievous that he didn't know what to do. He was, he was a man who, who was struggling to understand how he could stand in the midst of the difficulty that he perceived everywhere around him. And hence I've entitled this message for tonight then, How Shall We Stand? As we consider the conclusion that Habakkuk is coming to now. Now we know in that initial discord, the Lord answered Habakkuk when he complained before the Lord. You remember, he said, said to God in verse 2 of the first chapter, he said to the Lord, how long shall I cry before thee? He was burdened with the sin that he saw everywhere. He was a man who, although he was a believer and somebody who trust, trusted in the Lord, he wasn't somebody who was disconnected to the realities of fears and disappointment and confusion. We saw in those initial chapters that he was very confused about what, what, what was going on in front of him. He was convicted over the sins of the nation. He was burdened when he saw that people were leading from one sense of wickedness to the next. And you remember that the Lord answered him and he said that I will do something in the midst of this. And the Lord's answer was that he was going to bring this great Chaldean people, a horde of, of, of wicked men to sweep across the land and to exercise God's judgment upon his people. Now, has anybody have ever seen the wicked prevail in certain situations? Every Christian would always cry out before the Lord and say, why, Lord, why does the wicked prevail in such a way? And that was Habakkuk's concern in the answer that he received from the Lord. He was wrestling now a second time by saying, Lord, how can you use a people who are so much more wicked than the Israelite whom you are punishing as your means of justice? Remember a couple of weeks ago, we focused on that and we, we looked, at the, looked at the reality that actually each and every one of us prior to the salvation work of Jesus Christ into, in, our, in our lives are actually wicked people like this. It's only through Christ's redeeming grace that we are able to stand in the likeness of Christ and His righteousness and so doing 
find a way to enter into the throne room of God. And so it's not a surprise then to us that God actually does use wicked people to achieve his means. He still uses them in a sinless manner. And that's, that's what the prophet had to deal with. He remembered in that, in that discourse, he kept on going back to all the truths that he knew about God. He said, are you not from everlasting, O God? He remembered that this, the, the Lord God himself is the everlasting God who changes not who doesn't give in to the whims of times and to the changes that is presented throughout society. No, He is the steadfast, true and faithful God that will always deliver His people and ultimately deliver us through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the God that He reminded Himself. said, are you not for pure eyes that you cannot look upon evil? You remember how He, de- how he struggled with those thoughts in the second chapter. And that's where, where, where the prophet came from. But in the midst of the struggles that he faced, we see, we see in this, this, this passage tonight that as the prophet considers all these realities that he was actually in the midst of what was going on there, God's man for the hour. He was the man that God had appointed to deliver this truth to, truth through so that you and I today can resonate and think upon these truths. You know, I wonder sometimes if you feel when you look around at society and the things that are going on, if you sometimes feel like, I wish I could have been born in better days. But my dear brothers and sisters, the one reality that we see from this book is that each and every one of us, if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, have been brought into this time to be God's men and women for this specific hour. And we should not forget that. We should hang on to those realities with all that we can. You see, Habakkuk, if we, if you remember all the way in chapter one in verse, uh, verse three, he said, why dost thou show me so much iniquity and cause me to behold grievances? You know, I wonder if you sometimes, when you look around at the world, if you sometimes feel burdened about the stuff you see. You know, our brother Seth shared with us this morning, uh, you know, from the bottom of his heart, how, how he desired to have a greater burden for the lost. And that should be each and every one of our desires. We should have a burden for the lost. And I think sometimes... The reason we don't have a greater burden for the lost in the world out there is because we fail to see the world the way God sees it. You see, Habakkuk was man's, God's appointed man for the hour because he was a man who could see the world the way God sees it. He was a man who recognized that sin and evil was a front before a holy God. So much so, so much so that in the fourth verse, he made it clear that he was completely burdened over the lack of, of, of commitment from his fellow countrymen who were men who were brought up under the word of God, their lack of commitment to adhering to the truth of God's word. Remember he said, therefore the law is slackened and judgment ne- never come forth. You know, this is a nation that was built up upon Christian truth. And I think many of us can look at the things that are going on in this nation and across the world today and say, why does God's word 
get treated in such a slack way? Why do we no longer in this nation regard God's word as anything important? But in the midst of all this struggle, my dear brothers and sisters, we need to remember that Habakkuk stood for the Lord in this way. His eyes were steadfast on God. He said there in verse 15, Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of the great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself that I may rest in the day of trouble. I wonder if you can say like Habakkuk that you can actually rest in the day of trouble. My dear brothers and sisters, we, we have gone through perhaps a time of history that very few uh, people prior to this generation, at least in recent history, have gone through. You know, we were all faced with uncertainties. We were faced with what's the next step of the government going to be? What are they going to make us do less? There's still that element of uncertainty right now. But how many of us were able to rest in the midst of that uncertainty? You see, we are not a people who should be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or every whim of chains that come across, across our path. You know, I remember uh, my, about 17 years ago uh, when, when I for the first time started reading the Bible. Um, I, I, I joined the army actually to share the gospel with soldiers, but I never really read the Bible. I grew, grew up in a Christian, bo Christian home, but I was very lazy at reading. And as a result, I never really read my Bible. And I met, met a pastor in this time in my military career, and we started studying together. And, 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 and I had a renewed sense of, of God's purpose for my life. I wanted to share the gospel with soldiers, but all of a sudden, uh, something went wrong. I went on an exercise, I gained, gained the injury that would eventually lead to me being medically discharged from the armed, armed forces. And, and as a result of this, I had my pastor over one afternoon and I said to him, Rick, I, I just don't know what God is doing with me. You know, I was, I was fully convinced he wanted me to share the gospel with soldiers and now it seems like he's closing this door. And I can remember Rick said to me that day and he said to me something that really, probably the statement that most changed my life. He said to me, Tian, where do you look for guidance in your Christian life? And I said to him, well, Rick, you know, I thought about it for a moment. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Uh, so it's a bit tricky to answer. And I said to him, well, Rick, Rick, I pray. I pray and I ask God to guide me and he guides me. And he sat there in his chair and he just shook his head very gently. And he said the question to me again. He said, Tian, where do you look for guidance in your Christian life? I said to him, well, Rick, don't you know what I mean? You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. You know what I mean when, when, when I say I pray. I pray and I ask God to guide me and he guides me. And he turned to me and he said, Tian, you know, what you're saying is you, you say a little superstitious prayer. And then you look at whatever circumstances come across your life and you count that as God guiding you. And he said to me that day, if that is the way you discern God's will for your life, you will just be like a, a, a wave that is tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes across your life. He said, God has given us his word. 
so that we may discern his will and his purpose for, for our life. You know, that, that started resonating with me. He left and I started reading the Bible really for the first time. And as a result of that, I was able to get an understanding of what God's purposes and his design for my life is according to his written word. And that's the problem. That's the, that's the privilege we have, brothers and sisters. We don't need to guess. We, we don't, we don't need to go, Oh, was that God that I heard here or was it God that I heard over there? No, God has given us his word. And as we learn more about him in his word, we are then enabled to test and prove what is right before God by just obeying and doing what it is that he puts before for us and making our decisions in daily life. You see, God has called us as people of God to stand firm on the truth of his word and not be thrown to and fro by every circumstance that come across our path. We should be people that can, like the prophet, rest in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of troubles. But notice that resting in the certainty of who God is and what God would do for the prophet didn't didn't disconnect him from the struggles and the trials that this life offered. No, but it gave him a solid anchor on which he could stand firmly, knowing that the Lord will prevail in all things. That's the certainty that we have. You know, you've heard the old saying, uh, and, and it's very true, isn't it? If you go about your daily lives and you find that things are not really going your way, know for certain that it's still going God's way. And that's very true, isn't it? Our God is the sovereign creator of heaven and earth. And there is not a random molecule on the face of this in, in the universe. There's not a random molecule in the universe. God is in control. And my dear brothers and sisters, that is why we can be certain. That's why we can stand on the truth of God's word. And I'll remind you, that's what the prophet stood on when he had that struggle between chapter two, uh, chapter one and two, he stood on all the truths that he could resonate with concerning his God. And his eyes were steadfast on God. You know, David himself was another prophet whose eyes were steadfast on, on the Lord. Remember in Psalm uh, 141, he said, but my eyes are on thee, O God, the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave me not to my soul's destruction. The Lord is the one who sustained David. You know, time and time again, he faced one difficulty after another. But he remained certain that his Lord is able to deliver him. You can remember, for example, the, the, the account that we have from um, David and Goliath. It's often, often one of those stories in the Bible that is made light of in, in some of the children's Bibles. Often trying to make the focus on something like this saying, you know, as David faced this great giant, so you can face the giants of your life when you walk with God. That's not at all what this passage is saying. You know, this passage is reminding us, it's giving us a type that there is a savior to come to redeem the people of God. And that is who, who David represented. He represented the Christ. 
But David didn't just fall out of the sky and happen to be there. No, he was a, he was a young man who, who tested and proved the purposes and, 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 and the, the certainty that God offers in an uncertain time. Remember in, in chapter 17 and verse 22, uh, it's recorded in the scriptures that David left the carriage that he had brought with all the stuff that his father brought uh, for, for his brothers. He left it with the keeper uh, and, and he ran into the army. Young, 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 young man running into the army of the Lord. You know, you can just imagine this. This is the army of the Lord. This is the, the strong, valiant men of God who trusts the Lord. And you can imagine this, this young boy who, who's been looking after sheep in, 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 in the field finally has the opportunity to go and stand there next to his heroes. I know that, that ultimately the Lord is the, the Lord God is his ultimate hero, but this army represented the army of God and David stands there among them. And it says in the scriptures recorded that he talked with them. Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine and spake according to the same words. And David heard them and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. So can you imagine the disappointment of David perhaps in that moment? Now the whole army of God flees, but David was a young man who stood firm on the truth of God's word. And when he, when he got brought before the king, because David said, I will fight him if no one else will fight him. He was brought before the king. And it says in verse 32, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go out against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivers me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. You see, David, David wasn't confused or he wasn't, wasn't, didn't, didn't think of himself in a greater capacity than he should have. No, he recognized that he was a servant of the Most High God and that God's purposes will prevail in all things. And if no other man would stand, then he would stand. He would stand on the truth of God's word. And so he could be at rest. Now, I wonder if you in life struggle with peace. You know, we know that the word of God declares over and over to us that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. I wonder if you sometimes feel the turmoils and the uncertainties that is faced 
in this world if it just becomes too much? Is it perhaps that you have not learned to rest in the Lord yourself? You know, that, that verse there that refers to resting in the Lord, it can also be translated as to quietly wait upon the Lord. You know, in, in the Bible we see time and time again that the Scriptures remind us that we should be, should, should be quiet and know that the Lord God is in control of all things. Do we do that enough? You know, the Apostle Paul himself addresses this issue when he admonishes us to not take our eyes off the Lord. When we take off our eyes off the Lord, we, we, we fail. You know, uh, Peter, Peter himself was a great example of that, isn't it? Remember when Peter went out to be with the Lord as the Lord came walking on the ocean? He said, Lord, if it's you, allow me to come out. And he came out and he walked up to Jesus. As soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he sunk underneath the waves because he's concerned about what happened, what was happening around him too, too great. And he lost focus. Have you lost focus in life? Is there things that you wanted to do to the Lord? Is there things that you desired to achieve for the Lord? And yet, as you look to the world and to the things and the pleasures of this world, perhaps it so overcomes you that you lose focus and you fall further and further away. You see, Habakkuk could rest in the Lord because he could quietly wait on him in the day of trouble. Even when disaster ensued, even when all the pressing realities of what the Lord had spoken of, the things that he, two chapters prior to this, really struggled to endure, even though he professed, my belly trembles, he said, I will quietly wait for the Lord. David, David again, thinking perhaps upon all these things that, that, that he, 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 he went through in his life, said in Psalm 4, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in stress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. I think perhaps some of our struggles in this life is because we, in many ways, are men and women that do not pray as we ought. You know, our church, our pastor is trying to encourage all of us to focus more on the importance of prayer. You know, we gather here uh, time and time again on the field to pray. There's opportunities to pray in our homes. How much do we avail ourselves of these realities? You know, we need to remember, we are servants of the Most High and Holy God. We are not people that are just making our way through time. No, God's purposes for us is not just for the next couple of years or for the next 40 years. No, it's eternal. And my dear brothers and sisters, the reality of this, 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 this situation is that within 60, 70 years from, from now, each and every one of us here will be standing before the King of glory. And I wonder if you would be counted worthy on that day. And if your answer in any way is, well, yes, I think I will be because I did that, this or that, then I think you're grabbing the wrong end of the stick, my dear friends, because it's because of Jesus and what He has done for us alone. Our hope 
need to be in him. You know, David said, he hears him when he calls. Have you thought of this? When you cry out to the Lord, he hears us. He hears us because the Spirit of God intercedes for us through groans that cannot be uttered. You know, have you ever thought when you sit and you pray and you can't think of words and sometimes you go like, Lord, I don't even know what to say. At that very moment, the Spirit of God is interceding for you and He hears you. I sometimes think we forget to see these realities every day. Because we realize when we come to the Word, Brother Paddy said, said to me the other day, and, and it re- really struck me, we were in a Bible study, and he said, do you not realize that when we read this, we read the actual Word of God? This is God's actual Word to you and me. I mean, why would we read anything else? You know, there's nothing else to be read. This is the Word of God. And in the same light, when we pray, when we pray to God, David said, He hears me when I call. Now, if you know the eternal God hears you every time you call out for Him, why would we not pray? Why would we not be a church and a people who are marked by prayer and the reading and the consuming of the Word of God? You see, that's what this prophet was. He was a prophet who faced fears, who faced struggle, who faced trembling realities. But in the midst of that, he knew that his God was enough. His God was sufficient for his every need. And the reason he could know that is because he spent time with God. Do you and I spend time with God? How much is enough time? If I were today to say to you, well, what if the blessings that God has for us is directly related to the amount of time you spend with Him? How much blessings do you think you would have? We thank God that that's not the way it works. We have salvation by faith alone through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who's bestowed His very faith upon us. The faith of the Lord Jesus Christ that He's given to you and me is what sustains us in all things. But that's the faith that leads us to prayer and to His Word. And that's why we see this prophet, the book of Habakkuk, is really a a, a couple of prayers as this prophet pours out his heart before a kind and eternal and good God who has heard him and delivered his truth to him. Even, Even after the prophet comes face to face with this reality that we have here in verse... Um, let me see. Although, verse 17, although the fig tree shall not blossom, never shall the fruit, uh, the fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and the stalls shall be, and in the stalls shall be no herds. We, we need to remember this nation was, the Hebrew nation, was a nation that started off as sh- shepherds. And so when the prophet reminds us here that even, even the, 
the, the herds shall be cut off. The flocks shall be cut off. It, it gives us a picture of complete and utter economic ruin. Of total failure. You know, I wonder, wonder if some, some people with, with everything that happened with COVID would have said, you know, we need to, need, need to get ready. You know, we need to stock up. We need to do all this type of stuff. I wonder if all of our economy came to a complete grinding halt. If you and I, who are marked by the name of Jesus Christ, would be able to stand and say, I will rest in him. Would we be able to do that? Because that is the reality that this prophet is facing. He knows the Chaldeans is coming. He knows that God is now going to use them as his means of justice. And he's going to be in the midst of all of that. But even though the flock fails, even though the fig tree fails and the harvest fails and all these things will fail, yet he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Brothers and sisters, can we say that? I want you to think about this because I think perhaps to some extent we came close to perhaps perceiving a reality like that. In the midst of that, we need to ask ourselves, can we say these words? If everything else fails, if my family fails, if my loved ones fail, if my church community fails me, yet I will stand firm and rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, the Lord has given us many graces. Lord has given us graces in our family members, in our friends, in our church. And these things are here to sustain us and uphold us. But what if they fail? What if the things that we put our hope in in this world fails us? Will Christ be enough? Will Christ be the one that lifts up your head when everything else seems to go wrong? I was speaking to a man just yesterday who, who professes to be, be a believer who's gone through tremendous difficulties, illness. Uh, his wife and his child is planning to leave him. But yet in the midst of that, he says he knows that Christ is enough. Can we say in every situation that Christ is enough? See, when we consider how we should, should stand in this difficult time in which we live in, I believe one of the most fundamental things that we see from this passage is that we should stand rejoicing. Not rejoicing in our, our, our sufferings, although the New Testament does, does, does tell us to rejoice when we face various trials and temptations. But we don't rejoice in the fact that we suffer, but we rejoice in knowing that there's somebody that will sustain us while we suffer. Somebody that will hold us, that will lift our head in the day of trouble. Somebody who hears us when we call the God of our righteousness. The God who made a way for you and me to enter into his eternal kingdom because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me on that tree. Sometimes I just wish, I wish we could understand or, or, or resonate with these truths in, in, in a bigger way, knowing that the Lord, the Lord himself went to that tree for your sin. You're sitting here tonight under the 
teaching and the truth of God's word because God has been gracious to you and given you opportunity to turn to Jesus Christ. The one who is able to lift you and hold you in the midst of every difficulty. And that's why Habakkuk could stand in this joy. He recognized that there was a savior. There was a savior with all the prophecies that we have in the Old Testament pointing to the fact that the Lord will make a way. He saw through all of this that the Lord is the one that will redeem his people. The Lord is the one who he said in the midst of the years, God makes known to us his mercy. God is the one who will show us all things by his grace through his son. And I think the most important thing he's showing us here in the book of Habakkuk is even when we face difficulty, we need to know that he is able to sustain us. The only way we're going to know these truths is like in verse 18 when he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation as if our mind is firmly set upon Christ. Not, not the way Peter took his eyes off the Lord or, or, or when, when the Lord told him about, about his crucifixion to come. He said, Lord, this will never happen with you. He said, get behind me, Satan, because your mind is not focused on the things of God. Or when indeed he, he, he denied the Lord on the day of, 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 of his arrest. No, our eyes need to be set on Christ in a way that we could recognize that it's not in our strength that we do it, but it's in the strength of the Lord. Look at verse 19. He says, the Lord is my strength. And he will make my feet like signs feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. My dear brother and sister, if your hope is in Jesus Christ today, that's the certainty that you and I have. That the Lord is your strength. The Lord is your strength. And if you do not know him, then he is not your strength. Then the fact that you still breathe and, and have the ability to live and do the things you do is his grace and and mercy upon you. But the Lord says in the word of God. It says do you not know. That his grace is meant to lead you to repentance in that regard. So if you are still alive today. And you do not know Christ. Then he is still extending his hands of mercy to you. Saying come to me. But a day is coming. The word of God tells us. When his arms of mercy will be retracted. And his wrath and justice will come forth. My dear friend, I pray that you will be ready to stand before him on that day. And the only way you will be ready is if you stand in his strength, in the strength that the Lord Jesus provides for us through his sacrifice, so that we may say, the Lord is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. I pray, dear brothers and sisters, that that is the reality of your life today, that you are one who are marked by Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for you. That you do not stand any day saying, well, I will do this or I will do that. No, if the Lord wills, I will do this or that. Because he is the king of my life. He is the one who has redeemed me and now brought me into his kingdom. And I am his servant and no other. Brothers and sisters, if we consider this book 
in its completion, we need to remember this, that there is one way for us to stand, and that's to stand in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book that we have studied. We thank you, Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ has made a way for us. We thank you, Lord, that he is the eternal one. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the one that have redeemed us. Thank you, Father, that your word tells us that we are sinners, sinners in need of saving grace, and that saving grace has been made available to us through the sacrifice of your Son. Lord, I pray that we may grow in appreciation of this reality, that we may be so thankful that all that we want, would want to do is to please our Heavenly Father. Thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. And we pray now, Lord, that you by your grace and mercy may set that same joy that we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus before us, that we may run this race willing and ready in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ himself.